Um, wasn't I telling you about that TikTok guy? Um, and he records himself singing songs, but he doesn't know any of the words. So he's just like, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, yes. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, yeah, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, <laughs> eighteen, nineteen, twenty. And just counts indefinitely through the song. <laughs> it's smart. It is smart. Is English his first language? No. Okay. No, no, no. Well, he counts quite well. He counts in English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also looks to be living in a rural area and, like, not not well off. Right. Yeah. So, what do you make of that? Can't afford the words or... Oh, yeah. He's not buying song books, you know? No. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's saving his data for posting on TikTok, not looking up genius. Oh, Sam, you and your TikTok have it. He's, it takes a lot of data to Google the lyrics and he's just yep. got to save that up for the TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, TikTok is pretty fun. Yeah, is it? Yeah. I also feel like I'm owning my dad because of his China paranoia. Oh, do you think your obsession with TikTok is a way of getting back at your father? Well, it didn't start that way, but like last few days he's been like, you shouldn't be on that app. It's surveillance for China. Do you tell your dad about your TikTok habit? No. he w- It's in the family group chat. Oh. <laughs> you didn't post our Yom Kippur TikTok, did you, to your family chat? Did we? I might have. I don't know. I do shitpost the, the family group chat pretty pretty savagely, actually. I don't understand TikTok. Rather than engage with them. I don't have the app because I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Well, but you've featured in a few of mine. Yeah. feel about that yeah don't know if you're going to want to cut this but i remember when you said to me sam i don't understand social media i'm not a slut (laughs) (laughs) i have no memory of saying that sentence you did doesn't sound like something i would say you said it in what context what did i mean we're talking we're talking about posting on the love mainland um (laughs) instagram (laughs) but i am a slut why would I have said this? Well, you've obviously got different. You've obviously got two different standards here, right? Yeah. Do you mean like uh, perhaps I mean I'm not a social media slut? We're doing sl- slut dialectics, are we? I, I guess because it doesn't sound like something I would say. You said it. Uh, I don't understand. And then I told my family about it in the group chat. What? Yeah. How did you explain that? I said Alana just said she's a slut. What? They said, who's Alana? (laughs) Which is weird because I've slept with all of them. (laughs) Even my little sister. (laughs) Yeah. You slept. Twice. Well, 
either it's one or many, isn't it? So this was just a roundabout way of telling me that um, your family doesn't know who I am. <laughs> I suppose so. Mm. Mm. Well, you'll be pleased to know then that I told my father I was on my way to your house today. Uh, and then I, prev- I, I sort of um, explained that I was, we were each other's social bubble. Mm. He was like, who's Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, uh, you know, Sam, um, he, he, he's a doctor and we have a podcast together. <laughs> he was like, I don't know any of your friends. <laughs> there you go. Well, but he knows, oh, I won't, I won't dox us by saying who he does know of. He, uh, if, I, if I knew them before the age of 10, yes. he's familiar with them. Mm. Anyone after the age of 10, he's got no fucking clue. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you think seven, anyone eight, in your family's ever listened to our 11, podcast? 12. I haven't told them about it. Yeah. We we are at about approximately episode twenty five. We don't know because there's some inconsistency with the episode labeling, like we were saying the other day on nine now, which is possibly where a lot of our listeners are watching True. it from. If you're playing along with nine now, then we're on episode twenty five and twenty six mm. tonight. Mm. Well, we watched half of episode 26. Yes, but we watched episode 25 twice yeah. because of its, how important it is to the Sophie Tom story. Yes. So within this episode 25 um, is what appears to be the final breakup mm. of Sophie and Tom, Painted mm. Egg Tom. Mm. I mean, there's so much for us to get through tonight based on... This microphone smells this like steamed broccoli. Well, it's your microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you've done to it. Oh, maybe it smells like technology. I don't know. Yeah, mine smells like foam. Yeah, I smell the foam as I get closer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be another drunk one, is it? (laughs) No, I wish. I'll pour some whiskey. Yeah. What are you drinking? You've got a different whiskey. I'm on the black. I've moved to uh, Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Oh, whiskey. Bourbon. Oh. Let me try a little, little a tiny. Yep. Plenty. Plenty. Stop now. L'chaim. <laughs> 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 uh, L'chaim. Um, Okay. Do you want to kick us off about Tofi and Som? All right. Well, Tofi and Som, um, Sophie had had enough. Sophie, in the previous episode, it was leading up to her just calling it quits, finally drawing a line in a way that she never had before. Um, Your moods are intolerable. I I feel like I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I'm sick and tired of your moods impacting my t- my my well-being mm. and my time here and mm. I've had enough. And she sort of just spat the dummy, really, mm-hmm. calmly, gently, but she was resolute yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And there were some arguments there between them, but essentially she was able to communicate to Tom that she was meaning it, that it was serious. Yeah. 
and they're now in the process of accepting this breakup, right, would you say? Come beginning of episode 26? Yeah, I guess so. Sophie much more. Mm. I mean, yeah, accepting is a is a difficult one because I think Sophie is very much in the manic defense about the breakup. She's talking about how happy she is, how she feels freed from Tom. Oh, do you see that as a manic defense? Absolutely. Oh, no. I take it as genuine and she's almost like she's being subtle and soft about it. And it's always in response to what people, someone said, do you feel relieved? And she said, I do actually. Oh, sure. No, the relief part of it is probably legit. But Oh, that scene we just saw before pressing play yeah, on the Yeah, I'm sure she's relieved because mm. she was in suspense. Mm. And I mean, there's the problem is all of these things overlap and connect to each other. But she was... She was not knowing what to do. It was very obvious to everyone around them that mm. she was in it less than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got to be a relief for that mm. to end. Mm. But there's something about the way like... Because um, the claim, I can finally be Sophie, mm. is absolutely a phantasmatic claim. Nobody can ever be precisely themselves. Mm. You know, we're not, nobody's ever transparent to themselves. When we are defined by not being where we are. So, um, Sophie's claim that that's happened precisely through losing Tom has to be purely an imagination. Well, to be fair, someone said that to her. And And she endorsed it. Yeah, she endorsed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've got Sophie back, she said. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was like, yeah. And then she said, she was going to wash that man right out of her hair. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that song. It's from a musical. Are we going to play that song this episode? No. It's, it's shit, is it? I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're only, we're ourselves, you know, we're no more ourselves than how we are ever reflected mm. back to us with the other. Like there is no true... Yeah, Ideal the, Sophie. Yes, but also like the claim that, I mean, what's actually happened? He's still around as much as usual. The claim, mm. like the claim that some symbolic act of separation between the two of them this has, changed has her entirely restored world. her to yeah. herself is a bit like is a bit much. Mm, Even mm, if mm. it's just a matter of degree we're talking mm, about, it's still mm. a bit too. It's too much to happen mm. from like just ten minutes of saying we're mm. not together, but mm. actually still sharing a bed and all this stuff. Mm. It's like. There's still so many practical parts of their relationship that are persisting anyway. Mm. So but, that's only, so, but that's only one part of it. I mean, the other thing is that, like, um, she has lost something. Maybe yes. we'll pick this up more later. But even though, let's say, he loved her, she didn't love him, she still lost something. Yes, yeah. yes. She lost someone who loved her, who wanted her. Yeah, she lost the... She lost that um, that state. It's funny because she didn't lose him wanting her. No. He still wants her. No. What she's lost, it's interesting to no, try and true. say this right out loud. He still really wants her. She still has him as wanting her. But what she doesn't have is is what? Is him, is the, is the relationship within which... Mm. He wants her more. Mm. I dare it's say really he become uh, she. She gains 
being desired, you know, at least for a period of time upon breaking up. Yes. He, his desire becomes pure and he just yes. wants her and there's no questioning. Well, so there's a jouissance in that breakup he, of, of being wanted. Yes, totally. No, mm. you're right. I think what she does is she doesn't she doesn't risk losing the being wanted. Within the relationship, mm. she would eventually have to relax into it. Mm. And let there be a sort of a parity of mm. wanting, mm. right? There's never parity precisely, mm. but there can be alternation or there can be all sorts of different asymmetrical but roughly sort of on a par situations for a couple. Mm-hmm. Never symmetrical, but still. And no. But what she risks in letting that hap- in letting that come to pass in, by staying by staying mm. is a dwindling of his desire. Yes. Yes. You know. I see. So, well, <laughs> entering entering into a relationship is al- always that risk. Well, that, it better that, bloody that be des- because you're supposed to try and... will dwindle. Yeah, because desire yeah. is desire for something you don't have. And mm. if you've got somebody and you can be comfortable with whatever it is that it's possible for one human being mm. to have of another, because, of course, that having has a very ambiguous status... Mm. Because we're all these unknowable subjects and perfectly unique and not possessions. And islands. And islands, yes. But still, there is some meaning to the, to the claim that one can have another or yes. whatever. And what we lose in that having is precisely desire. Mm. So, two people better be pretty happy about being alongside each other in the mm. absence of some sort of desire. Mm. I guess it's another matter of degree, though, because you still want to be able to stimulate one in the other some desire, but it ends up not being for the having of one another, but for joint projects or sure. a shared life or whatever. This is starting to sound like some live, love, laugh shit, to be <laughs> honest. But I guess the, the more thoroughgoing point is that, yes, and the uh, having of a relationship is always the dwindling of some sort of desire. Yes, and the threat of... And they're wondering if that's happening or when. Yeah. Mm, in oneself or in the other. Yeah. Mm. Is anything other than that a delusion? That that idea that we have one another and we will always. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, have, having another person is never more than a claim. You know, like, so what, yes. is, so what does it mean? Is it a delusion? No, because, I mean, it can be. Of course it can mm. be if somebody's psychotic. Mm. Uh, but um, if... Or blinds themselves to infidelity or blinds themselves to the fact that their partner doesn't love them or that they oh, don't so love the partner. Well, I, only th- I think only in some instances is faithfulness equated with having. Mm. Really? Yeah, Because sure. I feel like that's the... That's the most indelible line that people measure that by, generally. Okay, yeah. Well, okay, in that case, then having and faithfulness have just as many different diverse out, uh, manifestations, let's say. Because, mm. like, for instance, there are, like, fetish couples where they like watching the other be fucked by somebody sure, else. Sure, yes. But that's still a form of faithfulness. Yes. Yes, okay. Then yeah, then yes, in that circumstance, mm. having and faithfulness might just as mm. well be coextensive. But um, 
the, I don't know if that answers whether having mm. is a delusion. Because we all talk about it, but it's all so patently bullshit. Like there's so, no having another person. No. Except in chattel slavery, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and some relationships <laughs> have power dynamics that sort of resemble that. But um, True, yeah. but... I mean, in mo- I mean, when you say that, you're t- you're not talking about ones that actually do have an element of slavery, like no, financial no, dependency. No. Or you mean like people willingly entering into some sort of slave-like? And once I suppose you enter willingness into it, it's no longer yeah. slavery, but slavery to the unconscious, maybe, yes. but not to the other person. Yes. Yeah. Because we were, you know, we were thinking about this in relation to Sophie and Tom, and you know what actually was the dynamic going on here in the relationship and then in the breakup. Yeah. Because Sophie, for better or worse, Sophie's attachment and um, coupling up with Tom mm. has confused us this whole time. We, we It has been a question mark for us what Sophie is attached to mm. and what she's pursuing Yeah, and what kept her there, right? We couldn't really put our finger on it. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it just looks like – an everyday situation and then you realise how complicated and tendentious and Mm. mystifying Mm. all these everyday situations are. Mm. It's this one in which she wears the pants and wants less than he wants but then she stays in it and by the very staying in it, you're left wondering, okay, well, she clearly wants something so what is it? Yes, and she's clearly getting something. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. to, To remain yeah. So yes. Yeah, so so innocent, and everyone was sort of aware on the show as well that she was wearing the pants, right? And yeah. that he wanted more mm-hmm. than sh- than her. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that dynamic, it's complicated by the fact that she was tolerating intolerable behaviour in him. He was moody. He was hot and cold. Yeah. He was punishing. Yeah. Um, resentful. Resentful. Yeah. Jealous, yep. silent treatment, all all of that. Yes, um, uh, again, all very impotent form of controlling. Yes, because there was no actual control involved. Yes, yeah, and ultimately it didn't work. Right? No, that's right. Yeah, right. But we were always confused. It's like, where is her desire here? If she's tolerating mm. all of this um, behavior that made her unhappy, mm. of course, on the surface that makes sense. We all tolerate things that make us unhappy. Uh, but but we didn't see what the payoff was. We couldn't really understand what it was. Now she said something that hinted at a um, a fairly matter of fact explanation in this episode, where she was like, "I still have a massive physical attraction for Tom." So the sex was fire for them, obviously, mm. or rewarding enough that it or was. Or is she talking shit? I don't know. I'm not sure. Again, was it was it this issue of scarcity in the in the villa, you know, that made her have a massive sexual attraction to Tom or perhaps she is in some way massively sexually attracted to him. Possible, but if she were so massively sexually attracted to him, wouldn't he have felt a bit more comfortable? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. So if you know that someone sexually desires you, does that make you um, confident. It's, it's possible not in 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 the relationship. No, no, yeah, no, because he, at least on an unconscious level, Tom knew that there was something missing in her desire. Yeah, he could have just as easily felt like a really like 
well-performing appliance. Right. Which he obviously didn't want to feel like. Right. Yeah. And he wanted her he wanted her to love him desperately in yeah. the way that he feels he does for her. Mm, mm. So she had a sexual appetite for painted egg. Yes. She's into the lacto ovo diet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she's ticking on the airplane. Mm. But it another it raises another interesting question which you say, which is the the status of tolerance. In a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, because clearly nobody's perfect. So, relationships always involve compromises, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But then there's still an, um, an, enigmatic, an enigmatic quality to those compromises in as much as some of the things that appear to be compromises are in fact the perverse enjoyments mm-hmm, of a relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the fact that he was moody and resentful. Mm, oh, yeah, I hate how he's moody and resentful, exactly. but in fact that might be... I hate how he treats me or the whatever, appeal. but in fact mm. you do like how he treats you mm. because of and whatever trauma reasons. And could have it without reasons. it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. yes. And you know that when you speak, people would find it confronting for you to say i actually dislike the sex with him what i really like is the fact that he's always trying to control me and that he stomps around like a pissy little boy right (laughs) and i have to spend my time wondering how i'm going to improve that mood yes and actually i really enjoy that dynamic yeah yeah yeah, right or i spend that time even even probably closer to the mark i is i have to spend that time wondering how to make his mood even worse right yeah or how right. to keep him yes. just on that fine knife's edge yes. of pissy and moody but not actually punching me in the face. Yes, or right. I have, or pissy and moody but not actually leaving or mm, whatever. Mm-mm. So the things on paper that humans tell ourselves that we don't like are mm. actually the things that might keep us returning. Yeah, may or may not be. I'm ju- I'm not saying that it's just like a, a onesie twosies. Yeah, but I think that's true, thing. and that relates to what we were talking about with Terry yeah. and how girls are f- continue to fawn over him despite the fact that we've now seen that he's an he's absolute a shitty dog person, and he's um, betrayed Marlon and um, is a real fuck boy and done all sorts of things. Yeah. That uh, reflect terribly, mm. and and none of the women seem to blink an eye. He is still the alpha in the house that they all want. Yeah. And at first, I was like, why? Why would the? Why would that woman, knowing that he's done this to Marlon, for instance, we've been given this like, concrete evidence. Mm. And yes, it's to go back to that site of the original of original trauma, and that's not to say that there is some physical trauma, but ne- the the trauma of being alive and. Uh, being a child <laughs> of yeah. other human beings yeah. makes us return to that pain as a comfort. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's hard to speculate exactly what different traumas interface with what circumstance, but it's definitely the case that um, what you think at first blush, what one might think at first blush, oh, peop- the, the girls still go back to Terry despite the fact that he's a dog because he's hot is in fact the opposite. His being hot is maybe one of the conditions of the situation, mm. but the main attraction is that he's a dog. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, yeah. And there is a comfort in lying with dogs. Yes, mm. which is, I guess, different every time. But something to do with being controlled. Mm. Something to do with uh, something not bigger being than the dog you. in the situation. Yeah, 
yeah. don't know. So yeah. so many different possible yeah. out- outcomes for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But it definitely plays into what to our questions around what kept Sophie in it. Um, you know, it's it, what we were saying earlier when we were watching this episode about how Sophie Sophie remained in in it with Painted Egg because you could see that she wanted to want him. Mm-hmm. She she wanted to have some kind of authentic wanting that she never quite reached. It never got there and, yeah. now, and, and now the thing has expired. But um, Tom knew at least on an unconscious level that yeah. that was the best he was getting. Yeah. That she wanted to want him. Yeah. The thing about also the wanting to want mm. is that it's an infinite regress in that way. It's really paralyzing, the wanting to want. Mm. Because as soon as you go, mm. oh, she wants to want him, then you have to put brackets around the wants to want. Mm. And you say, well, that's the situation she's in, is the situation of wanting to want, mm. which means that she wants to want to want him. Mm-hmm. Brackets around that, which means that she wants to <laughs> want to want to want him. Yes. And you can see why it brings why it's such a traumatic experience for the object that's captured in that mm. wanting to that wanting to want gaze. Mm. Yeah, it's very not real. They know that they're in something that is. Yeah, it's ve- it's too. I mean, I think I think the Lacanian point here is that it's too real. Well, it might come from the real, but it well, won't. Because it's about the impossibility of... It's yes. The impossibility that's inherent to language of the wanting to want, the wanting to wanting to want, the wanting yes. to want. Once you, en- once you hit that infinite regress, it's like that's the real of language. Right, yes. Yeah. And it traps. Yeah. But Tom didn't want to want Sophie. Tom wanted Sophie. Yeah. Mm. Tom straight up needed it. Mm. Yeah. Whereas... Yeah. I guess he felt more replaceable mm. inside of her formula. You know, and he hinted at that in a previous episode when he was talking to the boys and they had this very candid conversation, which I think we made reference to in another episode where he was like, you know, I want her so much like, and I feel so insecure that I'm watching myself push her away. I'm moody because of that. <laughs> you know, it's a borderline style. Yeah. Like, you know, what what some people would call a borderline style where mm-hmm. he – he he ca- cannot handle that discomfort of uncertainty and pushes her away because he wants so much. Yeah. And he was able to put that into words and all of the guys were like, yeah, yeah, that is the worst place to be. That's when you know you need to walk away. Yeah. It's it's too lethal there. Hmm. you got to walk away. It was really interesting, com- very honest conversation that all the guys had. Whereas he would wish that he could turn it around somehow. And... Right, he would wish that he wasn't digging his own grave because of his desire. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he was doing. And Sophie, I think, stayed in it to a point because she imagined that there would be a big enough payoff in being with someone who wanted her that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be a payoff, I think she was thinking, to having this big attractive man who really desperately wants me Mm -hmm. and I want to want him because he wants me that much Mm -hmm. and this could be good for me, I think Mm -hmm. she was thinking. I'm going to try this 
but his sabotage, his his self annihilation became too much for her, and she called it mm. actually with a lot of um, self respect and a lot of strength and a lot of maturity. Bear, bearing in mind that they've only been together for three weeks, but three she was weeks. like, she was like, actually, no, this isn't a good enough payoff. Yeah, because I'm not having a good time because you are a moody. Um, uh, sort of abusive person and it's 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 not doing the job. Yeah, it wasn't doing the job anymore. Mm. But also that's the other thing is that we've been watching them for so long we forget that it's only three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like three weeks is probably a reasonable amount of time for her to think her way through that thing and then be like, oh, okay, actually this is not sustainable. Or yes. I don't really, I'm not really that into this. Yes being captured in this infinite regress of wanting to want. Yes. Three weeks is probably quite quick. Yes. For thinking experiencing it. Except that it's it every day and out. all day and no one else. There is no one there is nowhere else and no one else to go. True, but Nothing that might be something that sustains it. it a little bit because there's no other options. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, true. Yeah. But yes, definitely the other thing could be that it's just so intense that they've lived a lot many more lives than we would ordinarily live. Yes. Yeah. Because then what could, you know, because it's like relates to what you were saying before, how there's never parity in, mm-hmm. in, in desire or longing in a relationship. Never symmetry, I said. Never symmetry, right. But you're right. like aiming for some sort of on a par situation. Right, well, that's true, but there's yeah. never symmetry. Yeah. And for some people, they make it work and they find some restful place there in that asymmetry. Mm-hmm. It resemble it, it. It resembles enough some kind of symmetry for them or something. I'm not sure. I like what Rilke says about this. Uh. that love is guarding over the solitude of the other. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful, and I just I can't imagine in reality a lot of people are playing that out. But no. Good one, Rilke. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you read further, he says that it only happens extremely rarely. Yes, <laughs> yes. That is an ideal form of love. I guess so. Mm. Well, his, but I like it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I do too. Um, Speaking to your microphone. So, Alana. what would? <coughs> hello, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm distracted. I'm looking at my jewel charging across the room. Um, <laughs> You're really depriving the listeners of hearing you take hits of your jewel. <laughs> they want the crack. Hey, just wait. I'll do it. <laughs> Strangely, that is not scratching my itch, but I appreciate your sound effects. Um, so. Uh, you know, sometimes it does work when there is, um, as some people say, a garden and a gardener. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tom being the gardener and Sophie being the garden and many relationships play out like that. The, the other one I know is sometimes, some days you're the painter, other days you're the paint. <laughs> so be that some days you're the painter, other days you're the painted egg. 
<laughs> but is that in in the relation in, in relationship with someone? Oh is no, that, I think that's just in anything uh, situation. Well, I sort of I remember years ago some um I know who it was. It was um friend of the pod Esther said that sometimes, you know, there is someone in the relationship who is the garden, who is tended to, mm-hmm. and the other person is the gardener. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's always the case, but very I often think I, I think I also it heard it be. from that Tanya Harding. Oh, I, Tanya. I, Tanya, yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm. A piece of dialogue to remember from that film. I just, from I that 2017 film. film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> You didn't watch the whole film. You just watched that line. <laughs> I just, I just actually watched that line. Yeah, and stop. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So you true. <laughs> Fucking gardens and gardeners. But then you know, so sometimes it does work if there's one person who really wants, mm. and then there's the other person who wants to want, but is also just really getting off on being wanted, right? Yeah, precisely. But then what about the Sophie and the Tom? That wasn't working. Uh, I just got to say though also before we go on that if that happens in that happy coincidence of the wanting to want meets the wanter and they're both happy with their position, surely then it's just a dual wanting. It is. Yeah. So (laughs) those wantings look different. They do, yeah, but everybody's does. But yeah, but but if the one who's comfortable... Initially, or yes. for whatever momentary, or whatever moment, just being in the position of being wanted, of being wanted to be wanted, mm. then that turns it around into something mm. less regressive mm. because it's like, well, now everyone's just in a happy situation. Everyone's getting what they want. Yes. Do you think it is um, comparable to the distinction between the neurotic and the obsessional? In, in the, the hysteric and the obsessional? Yes, the hysteric and the obsessional, sorry. I don't know. They're like in the ast- astrological sense of psychoanalysis, they're a classic pairing. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. No, the wanting to want is a part of the whole spectrum of neuroses. I think. Yes. I don't. But also like maybe having a, the prim- a primary need as needing to be wanted. Rather than oh, yeah, the jouissance being in wanting. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's the what's the formulation? The hysteric is the one that needs to be wanted. Yes. In that position, needs to keep the desire of the other alive. Yes. And the obsessional does what? What's the pithy? Mm, the obsessional uh, needs the to desire nothing. Oh, or one thing. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, they clearly do desire something, mm. but they they generate they generate the situation of not having a lack mm. of mm. not mm. of not needing anything mm. because they don't lack. Yes, and I don't think this applies to uh, the presentation of Sophie or Painted Egg. Yeah, but you know what what would have sufficed for Sophie. To stick this out because she obviously stuck it out for a while. There was something that she hoped would work Mm. or was seeing in it. Yeah. And like I wonder if she – if Tom had been a different type of fatal lover and and he was confident in his wanting her and didn't have these mood swings and didn't have these like childlike regressions and didn't – 
self-sabotage and and become controlling and moody, whatever. Mm. If he was sort of wholly loving and adoring Mm. and confident in that, unflinchingly so. He's very optimistic about people. Right, but, you know, Mm. um, you know, like if – if Painted Egg had just been like, I love you, like be your funny little way, I'm just going to keep loving you. Yes. Would she have found solace in that and would that have been enough? Possibly not. Yeah, yeah maybe not. But if if the sex was fire, those two things combined, because I think that's, that's what one, she was hoping for. It's definitely one possibility. I think that's what she was hoping for because she was like, you know, when she was r- recounting her feelings just in that last episode and she said, you know, I still have this massive sexual attraction for Tom but I, I couldn't keep holding both of us up. I couldn't keep sustaining mm. this through his but moods. it could also be what she was deceiving herself in um, as wanting and what she really wanted was the precise situation that obtained wherein he was suffering mm. Um, mm. from not being wanted. And she was suffering from having someone she didn't want. Yes. It's quite easy that that would be the thing she actually wanted. Oh, so it's sadomasochistic. It It punishes him and her. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So then that, and he might well have known in the case that he'd just been unflinchingly adoring, that would have put her off. Mm. As it does often Mm. enough, right? Mm. A lot of people end up in these softly sadomasochistic relationships Mm. that are about like, but I guess they work when the power is flipping. More than when it's just so one-sided. But some people, for some people, it works one-sided. Suppose. Yeah. I mean, love can go coexist with anything. Hmm. So you know, she there was something that kept her in it, and it like asked him to be asked him to be her boyfriend on one episode, and now she's just like, no, nah, I'm out of it, and she's feeling free and liberated, and that seems to be it. It's a bit of a mysterious situation. It's all too much, don't you think? Because mm. mm. notwithstanding the relief you were talking about, definitely mm. bit bit relieved to be out of that because it was like a deeply pathological situation. And let's not forget that. Everyone, and so probably Sophie as well, uh, is a little bit afraid of Painted Egg because of his sheer size yes, and his moods. <laughs> yes. And that is real. But he's never, in fact, we've, nev- we've never seen on the show... Any threatening behaviour. Be- no. behave in any th- sort of threatening way. No. And it is, there, it is possible for people to sort of... For a group to develop an impression of a person and then force it onto them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he's moody in the manner of a little boy, though, which is not trustworthy because he's a big man and if he behaved like a little boy, he could be very destructive. That's right. So, That's yes, right. For sure. And I, I think we've gotten the sense that people do have a genuine fear of him. And one, so um, jumping forwards just a little bit in episode 26 two new men are brought onto the show and one of them says casually when assessing who might he might be interested in the house oh uh sophie no she's not really my type uh but also tom's a really big guy he is a big guy and he just said that very casually and the other guy that he was talking to just accepted it like yeah that's the pecking order and that's how it goes yeah it's funny how his being a big guy doesn't get him anything other than fear though well not funny I guess yeah. one very predictable outcome. Nobody likes it. But it's interesting. Like, is that how men experience other men? Like, is there actually like that will dictate my behaviour because I'm afraid that that large man will crush me? Like, what is the actual fear? It's got to be. Yeah, I'm afraid that he'll sit on me. Like, mm. 
I mean, in this sort of circumstance, it's hard. But I'm interested I mean, in how I pecking orders... Like, I don't you know, think I've been in a situation like that since high school yeah. where I worried about my love rival and I actually having a fight. Yes, that's exactly right. And then here they are saying it explicitly on this yeah. show where there are cameras, so they're not even in serious danger, but it's enough to... To yeah. dissuade someone or from pursuing a love Or is it just a performance a of something or is it just one of those discourses that just oh, runs Oh, it could itself. be an excuse. I'm actually terrified of Sophie, so I'm going to use Tom's size as an excuse to yeah. keep me from Sophie her. is quite intimidating. Yeah, she's older than everyone. She's older she's than everyone. She confident. seems kind of mysterious and yeah. knowing. She's an absolute hottie. Yeah, she's babe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they're more scared of her than him. True. He's certainly more scared of her than anybody else. Yeah. Wasn't that funny... Um, during the breakup conversation and its aftermath where Tom's posture changed <laughs> noticeably. <laughs> yeah, when we were talking about him being a little boy, I wanted to say. Yes, he looked like a little boy and it was like finally he was crushed under the weight of his steroided rig. Yeah. Um, as if his ego could no longer prop it up and suddenly he was all hunched under yep. his he was massive falling forward. His posture muscles. was all gone and he just walks into the... To the bedroom where everyone's arrayed on a bed. And he's like, it's over. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all just like, oh, really? I'm gutted. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Absolutely (laughs) gutted. And he wants to talk on. He wants to he People wants to offload away. and they're looking away. People looked away and he was standing there. Sam, actually, you did a perfect in, in, in impression of like an 11-year-old who's been told off. <laughs> It's just that the shoulders come forward a bit and the, the whole torso from the hips just is five centimetres forward and that, that arm sort straight. of go dead straight like they get a bit lurch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm good. I'm absolutely devastated. <laughs> oh, you got his accent really well. Did I? I can absolutely never... devastated. Devastated. Because he's got a bit of that Scandi like airiness. Yeah, yeah. He said, And then, you know, he said, I'm absolutely devastated. I never saw this coming. <laughs> really? <laughs> he said he never saw this coming. Well, after the breakup, he did go into like quite a weird zone. He was genuinely distraught. D- genuinely distraught, but also then like having these like um, interactions with her where he was almost pretending like they hadn't broken up and just like. Oh, yeah, he was really trying. He was quite malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's this very awkward scene where he was like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to like try and win her back. Yeah. And she's like doing her hair in the makeup room and he came in and, and then they cut to Sophie in the diary room relaying her experience. And he was like, and Tom, it was so embarrassing. She's laughing. She's like, oh, it was so bad. Tom came in as if he was in some sort of Hollywood film to win me back. Yeah. And he did. He was like, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to stop fighting. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to let you get away that easy. I'm not going to let you get away (laughs) that easy. And she was like laughing. She's like, dude, I'm away. Yeah. 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 He's like, she's like, just 20 minutes ago, we broke up. Yeah. And then he went in for like the very long, passionate kiss, which she laughed through. Half engaged with and laughed through. Oh. And then she said, Tom, you're so full on. (laughs) And he was like, hmm. Oh, it was terrible. You'd think he'd just put his hand to his brow at that moment and just go, oh, okay. Oh. I need to start. I need to exit this one. Mm. 
neither of them are hysterical like Katie was. Remember, like we're not seeing a lot of hysteria. In term, well, one of our theories for Sophie is that it's a hysterical position. But you mean like theatric? Yeah, we're not seeing any theatrics. Yeah. yeah, definitely. They're being. They're both being pretty decorous. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not he. Like whether or not he can actually accept it and has in his mind is another issue, but he's not. He's not. Yeah, whether either of them, sh- yeah, can accept it, right? I think Sophie is a hundred percent done. Except, I mean, big spoiler here: we we do know that they do break up for the duration of the show, and she's she. Like, she's with other people. She, yeah, she partners up with other people, and she stays on the show, and they're not together. Yeah, but then they do get together at some point briefly after the show finishes. Yeah, you know they meet at some stupid media event and mac on or something. Who knows how it happens? But, well, you um, can always go back to the well. Yes, and but I think I think that's um, of equal importance here. What went? What made her go back upon the show finishing? That's interesting. The dick. No, it must be something else. Well, what is the terrible, you know, and this is what we've talked about earlier in podcasts, like the, the, the terrible darkness seems to hit after the show finishes. For Sophie. For, con- for contestants in oh, general. Yes. They're having a great time and then things get very bad and they become remorseful and angry at the show. After being on it, so you think there could be a totally different and new bond that comes between that comes up between them after the show, which is like we went through that together, or or she was feeling a particular a novel, a new alienation, Mm -hmm. loneliness. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, you can also see that. Okay, well, I think because she has a pretty bad time for the rest of the show, as far as I know. Yeah, I don't know what goes on, but I know I think the housemates turn on her or something. Sorry, spoilers. But um, what? Yeah, I think so. They turn on Sophie. I actually don't know for sure, but because uh, I've tried to avoid spoilers when I'm googling things, but I see some things. Yeah. But um, but even if that didn't happen, I guess they could feel somehow morally corrupt or something like that coming off the show, and then mm. want to redeem themselves mm. by reversing whatever bad bad thing happened on the oh, show. And so, yes, she could feel like getting back together with him redeemed more than just the breakup with him. Reverses the shame yeah, or something the regret like that. or something. Yes. Yeah. I could do it again, but good. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, well, and also, um, I've so cheapened love by making it part of a game that what I need to do now is take precisely the person with whom I was engaged in the game and make, and it, make real. it real, yeah. And that redeems the whole of love yeah, as a yeah, field. Yeah. Maybe it's real. It's it could still be real. Yes. Yeah. And as always, what's interesting more so than thinking about it in the specific case of the show is to think about in what in what way are we always doing that? Mm. Like, because there's always got to be somewhere, like some way in which we're engaged in a love that isn't real, or like a gamification, something that. Um, yeah, as if there is an ideal love, a real love. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We do yes. hold up that that idea. Whatever whatever happens in Love Island mm. that we could propose cheapens love mm. must always be happening. Yep, that I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that the show Love Island cheapens love so significantly as to make it something different. No, like the dirty secret of love is that it's cheap in the first place yeah. or whatever. 
Um, and always gamified. Yes, and always elevated by efforts to make it something other than cheap and gamified. Mm, mm. And it's always like in that backsy forwardsy. Mm. Um, my efforts elevate it above mm. its actual cheapness or whatever. Why do you think it's cheap? No, well, I don't think it's only cheap. I think it's got both those things. It's mm. got the effort toward elevation. It's got... Uh, an ideally elevated state and then it's also got all of the other things that feed into it that we could propose cheapen it which are usually the things that uh, we would say oh now I understand why he loves her or whatever anything that you can understand Mm, is probably mm, one of those mm. elements that cheapens Mm. it like oh uh, he's just hot she's just hot he's just got money Mm, 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 she's mm, just mm, mm. reminds him of his mum or whatever All of those things that become understandable, you think, oh, that's the cheaper part of it. Mm -hmm. But then there's always something a bit ineffable and that involves the two people striving for something that elevates them that you can go, oh, maybe there's something more to it. Mm. And I don't think it's either one of those. It's got to be both of those. Sometimes I think those things that you can grasp are the elevated parts. The other parts are illusion. um, Well, I guess they're all imaginary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like we're being honest when we can say the things that actually might, and then we're being honest when we say we we can't possibly know those in, invisible, ineffable, you know, ob- object things that make us love someone. Mm, mm, I don't mm, know. Mm. As if it's something sacred and beyond human. Well. There is something in there. Mm. Katie and Scott are the example taken from Love Island where there's still something ineffable. Like because they're both at the beginning of the show seem to be shit people naturally. Yeah. And then now also... Now they're two shit people in love. Yes. And also their love was pretty shit mm. initially. But now they're in some sort of harmony. They seem to be have their eyes fixed pretty firmly on each other. Mm. And and without a huge amount of um, tangible sadom- anxiety. Yeah, and without the obvious sadomasochism yeah. that was part of it at the beginning. And you go, oh, there must be something to Scott and Katie. Mm. They seem more appealing as people and as a couple now that they're in harmony and they found whatever we were calling the parody without symmetry. So... Mm. And I'm not sure I can put my mm. finger on why they seem more appealing now just because they love each other. It's just it's like saying, oh, you know, Hitler's mm. redeemable because he was in love. Because <laughs> he was a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Why? What Can you put your finger on what makes them more appealing? Oh, I mean, there's a more obvious reason. It's mm. because they're not... Um, they're not engaged in violent, hostile interactions constantly. Of course, that, that that makes them slightly more appealing to view for me. Yeah, what's my counterexample here? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not seeing the the ugly side of their personalities constantly and loudly. Sure, at the but moment. you could just think then they're then that they're boring. I think we think of them as something other than that. Oh, because we've seen, we've seen that violence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're making good points. <laughs> it's true. We've seen Finally. this. We've seen what. <laughs> we've seen what they can do now. We've seen what they. Like, we've seen them at rest. Yeah. 
So you think that it... But we like Nathan and Kara by virtue of their love. Mm. And they didn't have that same fiery beginning. Oh, and now they've got it. And I've got to say, I'm it's a little true. uncomfortable like with what's anymore. going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am a little uncomfortable with their... You know, it's interesting to watch Nathan and Kara. Um, they are... They are going through this really, you know, three weeks in, they're going through a real rough patch and they are fighting irrationally, mm. very angrily. Mm-hmm. Um, they, are, like, they, they cannot come together. You know, in their arguments, they sort of refuse to hear each other mm. and it goes on and on and on. And Nathan gets really antagonistic and... Quite hostile. He always towards the end of their interactions, when one of them's walking away, he's like, "Oh, you fucking blah blah." It's like, yeah, it gets quite ugly. And we know that they wed and mm. have children. It's very funny to watch this, knowing what eventuates. Mm. Like, if I didn't know that, and I was watching them, I gotta say, like, I would probably make the wrong call there. I would be like, "This is not going to last." Yeah. It it may very well not last. They they are only married now. It's only a few years after whatever. They'll probably divorce like most people do. But but, but nevertheless made it, babies, haven't they? they yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like I they mean, got they they took it further yeah. and further and further and got married and had kids. Yeah. After this point that we're watching that looks very ugly. Yes. Well, I mean there's got to be like the ugly phase maybe, you know. There's like mm. they're going let's not forget that that's only 3 weeks in. Mm. So, of course, without knowing what comes later, this could just be them breaking down because three weeks is enough time to sustain a, a very insubstantial honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. But um, It's like Love Island uses like dog years or something. Yeah. You have to sort of multiply it by something. True. Well, what? how many years are they? Is it a, a month to a week or is it more than that? Oh. So it's What's uh, our conversion? Three weeks to three months. Yeah. Three months? Yeah, okay. So they've yeah. got like some three-month itch. Well, that's true because relationships are often sort of like three months or seven months or... Yeah. Yeah. They're like... Yeah, they're like a week or three months. Yeah. Or a year. Yeah. Yeah. And then anything more than a year is like pretty legit, right? Like a two-year relationship yeah. is, more than, is more than two times a one-year relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I was ju- we I was need ju- a ruler I've for this. <laughs> we need a whiteboard for this. I, um, we need a graphics calculator. I was just about to disclose how long my longest relationship was, but I'm not going to. Don't do it. No, I'm absolutely not going to. Okay, mate, don't do it. <laughs> don't give them the fucking satisfaction. Nah. But they want to know. All right, what else have we got on the dock for these guys? Well, what, what time are we at? Well, I want to talk about those two new guys, a.k.a. the two new, new duds. Oh, fuck, I don't How know. How long have we been... I don't know, because it's changed file. We're 20 minutes into this file. I have no idea when we started recording. I think we've done an hour. <clears throat> okay, well, in that next episode, they brought on two new guys. Yeah. I was excited, briefly, and then deflated. Oliver and Troy... Oliver seems okay. He said he's a model, struggling to believe it. And um, Troy and Oliver were talking to the dudes about the pre-existing couples in the house, Sam, remember? Mm -hmm. And they were like, to Nathan, 
They were like, oh, you and Kara, you look like you're legit. You look like you've got a real connection. He was like, yeah, man, I'm fucking... Nathan was like, oh, yeah, uh, can you do the chimney sweep accent? I can't. But, um, you know, he was like, no, it's fucking real, man. Like, I've never met a bird, never met a bird quite like this. Uh, you know, she really makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, she genuinely makes me laugh. Like, she's the first bird that's made me laugh. And then Troy, this new guy, just casually said, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't find any birds. I've never, I've never found any birds funny. Yeah. And he just said it casually and no one – and I – You took it very personally. I took it very personally, but shouldn't I? As a bird. As a bird <laughs> who everybody knows is funny. Thanks. Everybody says that. Yeah, not so much on the pod. But, you You're know – You're very funny. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, a- as a bird who has um, – I mean, you've been farting all night. That's what funny I people do. I have not, <laughs> Sam. Can you please not – Lies. Oh. Um, we had discussed if we should start moving towards fighting on air. I'm not fighting on air. If you want to be famous, that's what you got to do. That's that that's the formula. Oh. That's the method. I've been reading I a podcast. Apparently, book. I thought it was being a slut, but I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> what that means. I'm. S- that's not going in. We. <laughs> 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 Being a f- social media slut Anyway, I would like to talk more at length There is nothing to say except that I am outraged At how common it is for men to struggle to accept that oh, women no. are funny I too was out as, an, as a feminist and an ally of women And a good boy huh? Mum huh? I also was outraged Oh yeah, you were outraged Good boy, good boy <laughs> But Sammy, you know, to your credit, um, Alana's patting my head right now. Yeah, um, you love a funny woman. Who uh, doesn't? Yeah, well, lots of people, Sam. Oh, okay, Let yes. me tell That's you. Right. Sorry, I'm reasoning from yeah. the wrong position. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you that a lot of men don't, mm. to the point which they they won't even recognise humour because they they have to block it out. Mm-hmm. Like it's very dangerous to them or something that a woman be funny. Yeah, now I'm trying to think if we saw Oliver, was it? Yeah, Oliver. In a situation in which... No, woman, Troy said that. Sorry, Troy, yeah. in, in, in a situation in which one of the women was being funny and he just didn't hear it. Well, no, he then he was having his little spa chat with Tina and he was like, oh, you know, you're fit, you're really fit, um, but actually your personality is also fit too. I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's how he deals with a woman having said something charming. Right. Utter surprise. And Maybe then he's just setting him up, himself up for a whole little, a lot of little surprises. He just <laughs> like, he wants to, he's actually laughing at women all day, but his preference is to be, be surprised, surprised by it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. She told a joke. Oh. They don't usually do that. They don't, do they usually do that? I don't that think is, they no, do. I am surprised. <laughs> Well, yeah, anyway, so I fucking hate Troy. Yeah, well. But, you know, I pity him more than anything. Mm. How sad for you to be so threatened by a woman making people laugh. Yeah. Well, was it Hillary Mantle who said that? Uh, Who was it that said women are afraid, a fundamental difference, a fundamental difference is that women are afraid that men will kill them and men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it before. I'm not sure who said it. 
I'm not certain that that's the fundamental difference. No, no, a fun, a fundamental. But it's one difference, of them, yeah. yeah. And I think that that might be related to a, a woman being able to make people laugh because then she could very easily make people laugh at you. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Mm. Except that the formulation is them laughing. Like not... Um, <laughs> well, yes. But the fundamental difference is um, women are afraid of men killing them and men are afraid of women doing a stand-up routine. <laughs> <laughs> it, yes. You're not going to put this in your routine, are you? <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I, take it, I take it personally and it's... It's fucked. Yeah. No, well, standing in solidarity with you, I take it personally. Oh, yeah. But also I want you to take it personally just full stop because you know so many hilarious women. Yeah. Oh, you flinched a little bit like you had to agree with me, (laughs) but actually you don't. I saw it in your face. (laughs) Your face said, I'm about to tell a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was performing that for the listeners and then realised they can't actually see me. (laughs) Your cheek quivered. It was weird. I was like, oh, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Funny yep. women yep, in my yep, life. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, was there anything else in that second episode? Mm, the dud new guys. Um, Dog shit bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to the guys who were already on and there. And Sam quotes himself. <laughs> They're dog shit bodies. <clears throat> Just you know, not um, putting the work in and not on the steroids. And, you know, just in solidarity, I'm going to have to agree. Thank just, you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of degrade compared to the other rigs on the show. Yeah. Uh, and I was hoping that their personality would carry them through. Yeah. But we haven't seen that much of it. No. Well, you found Oliver to be respectful. Yes. I quite liked how and he articulate. spoke. And articulate. Yeah. 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 I did, actually. Troy, not respectful. No, absolutely but, not. But f- to a certain woman, seems to have the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, one of them casually said when they were sort of being asked about who their types would be in the house, mm. you know, bearing in mind, listeners, that newcomers have always been watching the show up until the point at which they enter the house. Mm-hmm. Um and I think once again, very casually, one or both of the new guys were like, oh, Katie's the fittest bird in the house. There's got to be something about Katie that's up close. Because she's fit for sure. But yeah. there's got to be something about her that's up close, got a uh, je ne sais quoi to yeah. it that you can't really get on the screen. Yeah. Because she's fine, but Everyone's so they sexually all attracted to cartoon mice. Cartoon mouse. <laughs> <laughs> a bookish cartoon mouse. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that both of the guys were allowed to choose three women to have a little sort of drink with separately. Mm-hmm. And Oliver chose Katie, Tina and Sophie. And Troy chose Katie, Tina and Liana. So Ka- Katie is a constant there and she is 100% taken. Interesting choice. They both just wanted to try it out, hmm. knowing that it was pl- absolutely not a fire to be played with. Do you think that they were told by the producers to do it because Katie and Scott have been uh, so too peaceful? Calm? Yeah. yeah, possible. Yeah, but they were also like she's the fittest bird in the villa. So yeah, 
but they might have been told to say that. I don't yeah. know that it's just the consistency when like at precisely the moment yeah, when she's the true. most taken. True, true, true. They both ask her out. Are like she say- does not look available at all. Are you saying there's some sort of invisible force that controls the machinations of this show that aren't the individuals we themselves? We need to talk to a producer. <laughs> I just can't believe that. That seems manipulative, <laughs> deceitful. Um, no. Turns out we're just talking about the unconscious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you saying these people aren't in control of themselves yep. as well, they believe themselves to be? That's actually <laughs> probably true that one, like whenever you and I talk about Open quotes, the producers, close quotes. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the unconscious. The unconscious <laughs> it's so them. true. Yeah. yeah, so the unconscious took Katie aside and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Said, things are going too well with Scott. You need to go on a date with two other men. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Mm. The producers. The producers. The ha- aristocrats. Have you ever watched The Producers, the original film? Mel Brooks. Yeah. Mm, I think I have, but. It is a wild ride is that it? has not aged well politically. Right. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure none of his films really have. Yeah. Yeah. Or have. Bialystok. Max Bialystok. Yeah. Mm. You should watch it. Yeah. All right. Well, we've made it to Jews and the Unconscious. So uh, I suppose that means that yeah. we've done the, done the epi. It's tr- yeah. I guess we've ticked everything off then. Yeah. Springtime for Hitler. Yeah. Mm. So on that note, bye-bye. Oh, bye now. A one, two, three, a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty.
105 